Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church. This is the podcast where we invite you, the listener, to ask the questions that you're wrestling with, that you're struggling with, that you're thinking about related to God, Christianity, the Bible, spirituality, and everything in between. We want you to ask the crazy questions, the big questions, the simple questions, the complex questions, the convoluted questions, and most importantly, maybe the questions that you're just flat out afraid to ask or don't know where to bring. Too many people carry around spiritual questions, I think, and I don't think the church does a very good job today of answering them openly and honestly. Sometimes people will feel like they're being judged or or they feel like they're going to get scrutinized. Well, I don't think that's the way of Jesus, and uh, this is the podcast where whatever it is, text them in. It's really simple, 815-314-0363. We give you that one more time. Text those questions in to 815-314-0363. My name is Dave Gadini here in the studio today with Andrew Metcalf and Steve Wells, who is sitting in his presence. We got someone special in the studio today. Besides Ken Jones producing, we have got Steve's dad with us here yeah. in the studio off screen. Yeah. But uh, big shout out to dad here this morning. Well, you know, if he was on screen with us, then he'd just show us up because we're I, I, totally. It's beauty. Totally. It's beauty. <laughs> well, it's great to have you up from uh, Nebraska here. And uh we are, we are truly inviting all questions on Steve today. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, childhood questions, embarrassing questions, things Steve will never tell you. We're going to pull Dad over here if we get a good one and get Dad's perspective on Steve. I don't know. I, like, I'm pretty transparent, probably a little too transparent <laughs> yeah, that's true. sometimes. So. Yeah. Just calm it down I don't really care. Bit. Calm down. <laughs> you can ask me anything. We think I might give you yeah. a true answer, even. <laughs> Not what you want to hear. No. Yeah. No. Well, you know, kind of uh, in... Um, I don't know, honor Steve and his dad here today. We've got all things worship on the show. We got a, a slew of worship questions do, that really? been, literally serious? that have been kind of coming in, collecting in the inbox. About ten days out from today at Fellowship of Faith on a Sunday morning, we're uh, we're actually looking at worship. And uh, there's this cool line I want to share with you out of John chapter four, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman uh, out of the well, and he goes, "You Samaritans, you know, you worship what you don't know, and we worship what we do know." And Jesus says, because salvation is from the Jews. But here's the line. He says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, because that's the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to getting this 10 days from now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was kind of going through the inbox, and, and, and ironically, and I don't know, I'm talking to people about this, and and maybe that's kind of spurring some of it, too. But uh, we got quite the collection of worship questions here mm -hmm. believe it or not and uh so some pretty cool ones there in the mix so uh i don't know andrew what do you say you want to jump in or uh yeah i'm trying to see where i want to start well while I... you do that let me just get to one thing real quick yeah, because last week we had the banana pudding we, we did that banana pudding oh, moonshine. yeah yeah made it made in uh ken's bathtub yeah so right? on my stand i get you know like so there's there's the pre-service, and then Dave's you doing You always it. get, like, little gifts. I know, I do. Do like, you seriously? Little notes, too. Like, like, dude, from, I'm, like, jealous. I never get gifts on Little notes. Like, what is I like the music. The you know, it's, it's usually from kids, which is great. I don't care where they're coming from yet. Yeah, so then this week, I come up, just be, you know, usually it's five till I go up there, tune, the band goes up, and get gets ready. Yeah. And there is a four-pack of vanilla pudding <laughs> with a spoon included with a cool little note that's like, hey, sorry, this isn't the uh, banana pudding moonshine, but this is the next best thing. And it's not Jello, and and it's not the pudding pops. I was so, going to ask, did you go home and freeze it with popsicles? I did. <laughs> I did. 
I did. So. Oh no. <laughs> it wasn't what I remembered. Not the as first good thing as I thought of with that is, do you remember the the spoons that change color? Yeah. Yeah. With your cereal. Yeah. That's what I was hoping that is. Just bring. Yeah. Now a little these joy. weren't like the Jello brand. It was kind of a maybe an off brand, but I don't know who gave this to me. I think I think it was Kelly, but I don't know. But that. you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mystery. I, I I would hope it wasn't one of the grade school kids with the moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I saw you get loaded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was an <laughs> FOF shot glass there too. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's pretty cool. Let's get that running on the yeah. store. Why not? Um, I I think we can do this. Speaking of of wine and booze. Uh, <laughs> How come this is not a good transition? <laughs> How come FOF only does communion sometimes, not every week? Hey, you know, great question, you know, because you see churches with all different kinds of practices. This is the literal reason why, like, we do it. Like, I showed up to Fellowship of Faith in 2003, hmm. and the church had been in existence for about four years already. Um, so it wasn't like a new start when I came. Um, and, you know, by four years, you already have certain practices in play and, you know, kind of a culture developed. And they just kind of said, yeah, we, uh, we do communion on the first and third Sundays of the month. And I went, okay. Okay. And that's just, there is really no more theological or spiritually significant reason than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the pattern. It's interesting. Every church I've been at, it's always like first, third and fifth. Never second and fourth. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what we have against the second and the fourth Sunday. But yeah. Or the fifth. Yeah. Can we change it? Should we just screw with people like, <laughs> and no one would notice and no one would know? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Second I, and fourth. I think it's an extra expense, though. We, we got to cut costs yeah. on those like those cheap wafers, yeah, we right? Should actually that, just that do go once a month. <laughs> Quarterly. Church my uh, wife grew up in, once a year. Monday, Thursday. Really? Yeah. That was it? That was it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Monday, Thursday. So they Boom, just stored done. up everything. They stored it. They stored it and celebrated like it was $15.99. See, I, I don't mind that. We have our aged wine. <laughs> but <Bananas laughs> Sent from last year. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, you know, there are a lot of churches that do like the every week thing. Did you guys grow up doing the every week thing? Or, and some actually put a lot of importance I that too. I didn't. I don't know. Dad, where, it was every week? Not, not at Christ, at Eagle. At Eagle. Yeah, so at Eagle growing up, that was your church. Yeah. Or that was your town. But yeah, it was Eagle, our town. Nebraska. Yeah, it yeah. was Emmanuel Lutheran and Eagle. Okay. Do you know Pastor Joel Hoyer? By name. Okay. But I yeah, couldn't put the, pull the face out of a crowd. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that I went through confirmation with. Okay. And love the guy. Like, yeah. Super yeah. good dude. So he's in Michigan now. Okay. Yeah. And has been there. What, where is he at? Utica. Utica. Utica, Michigan. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Utica yeah. and Eagle. Yeah. And Eagle. This morning. Eagle. Eagle's church, the one we grew up in, is now a house. <laughs> so that went well. No, we actually moved and built a new church. And So you didn't grow uh, up in Eagle. Go. What's your town? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. So it was in the actual yep. town. All yep. right. Yep. All right. 883 people, I think, is what it said on the street sign coming in. It's kind of like Hebron. Yeah. Where we were like, oh, 1,200 and... 22 people or something yeah and like 10 goats and three cows and you know yeah that kind of thing right right hey state basketball champs from the 50s 52 baby (laughs) yeah colors eagles now well over a thousand now so it's It's there's a population metropolis yeah yeah it's just like right how are they going to contain that uh they won't lincoln will probably annex them uh, at some point i would have meant they can't all right see he should be on the show over here (laughs) sitting (laughs) Hey, if you want Steve's dad on the show, text him to 815-314-0363. And... Uh, anyway, so what are we, what questions, are we 
going after something? Yeah, here? legit. So let's uh Yeah, we had communion. Um I think this one's good. Can can non Christians really worship God? Hey, you know, that's kind of a an interesting question. I like yeah. that one. And I think it's uh I think it's less obvious than than a lot of us want to make out. You know, there's some people that I think just kind of knee jerk, oh, of course they can. And I think there's some other people going, no way, why would you think that? And uh, you know, there's a couple different ways the Bible handles this. I'm gonna kind of cap it off with a little C.S. Lewis here. So uh Jesus talks about worshiping in spirit and truth, right? And the idea behind this is that true worship is really rooted in Jesus. You can you can worship wrongly or incorrectly, I guess you could say, or falsely, if you will, and you can worship correctly. So, I mean, all worship isn't valid in God's sight, I, I guess you could argue, as a starting block to this. Um, so within that, can they really worship God? Jesus will say that on the way, the truth, and the life. And this really kind of, you know, you're hearing this like truth line pop up in John. It's really kind of paralleling that John 4 thing with worship, where he goes worship in spirit and truth, which is basically worship in me, because our access to the Father is really through Jesus Christ. There's no way of getting around that. So it does kind of beg the question then, if we're worshiping, are we truly worshiping God if we're not in Christ or through Christ, or are we worshiping more of like a God of our own imagination or of our own making? But before I think you go too far with that, there's something that comes out of a, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, actually. It's the last battle, um, the book called The Last Battle. And, and what's going on is it's really paralleling the world as we kind of see it today, where people have really vandalized the image of God. They've really distorted the image of God. They've combined a whole bunch of things together to kind of make a false God of their own image and call it God. People have been doing it for centuries, but let's face it, we've got that in spades here in the 21st, mm -hmm. right? And there is this one person who's there in the, quote, kingdom, if you will, who did not know Aslan, who's the Jesus figure throughout this book. And his whole life, he was giving worship to Tash, but he was giving it, Tash is this false god, but he was giving it ignorantly. He was giving it out of a place where there was almost a sense of wanting to give it to the god he didn't know, but this is who he was presented as being God. And all the other followers of Aslan are around going, what is he doing here? And I love this line. He says, all the worship he gave to Tash, I count towards me. Hmm. And so I'm just throwing that out there to suggest before we get to open door, closed door with this, it might be a little bit more nuanced in the kingdom of God when we get there than we think. And the ways on which we base it might be a little pharisaical sometimes when we look for the simple formulaic answers to this kind of thing. Eh, that, that's my... Uh, that's my shot at kicking a goal on that one. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's that's interesting. That it, it, that almost may sound like someone can worship God without knowing, in mm -hmm. a way. Yeah. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be intentional that I'm worshiping the God of the Bible, but God can see it that way. Almost an extension, and I like the way you put it, Andrew. Like, can you be saved without knowing? Hmm. And I would argue yes. And that's going to open up a whole slew of questions probably. And that's great because that's one that bothers people and, and people wrestle with and don't know how to get their head around. And I'm not suggesting that you can be saved apart from the merits of Christ. Yeah. But if Christ died for the world, how faith might be accessed. For example, can an infant have faith? Can a per person with Alzheimer's have faith? Even if they've forgotten the very name of Jesus himself and everything in between. Well, I think in those situations we'd go, of course they could. 
You know, can someone with severe mental disabilities have faith? Uh, you can kind of push that line, I, I think, with worship as well. Yeah, and I think I know some different people in different like 12-step groups, and they generally say it's like a higher power. They don't, they don't call it God, but you're relying on a higher power. And I, I, that seems to be kind of a 21st century thing of like, oh, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God. I don't worship God, but yeah. there's this higher power. And it's like, you're, you're really just changing the name. Yeah. And it's you're really just calling it something different. Because, you know, the 12 step program was literally based on the biblical concept of repentance and, and path or steps of repentance. And it was always rooted in that until it got so successful and secular institutions wanted to bring it into prisons, into schools, into other areas, but can't advocate or legally uh, prioritize the Christian religion and had to kind of do some of these back-end games. But sadly, I think have diminished or weakened the power, the very power mm -hmm. of change offered through the program. Right. So, and so that's not what I'm <clears throat> indicating here is that we should genericize God or just talk about the mm -hmm. almighty. What I am simply saying is there might be cases and points where somewhere, somehow, for some reason, is worshiping wrongly or not even knowing the name of Jesus himself, but somehow God's spirit is working in that person in some kind of way and, and orchestrating faith and new life so that distorted worship can actually become, dare I say, acceptable in God's sight. Yeah. So how can, these are Jesus' own words. Yeah. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So how do, how do those two things co coincide or coexist? I think it comes down to how you define what it means to be born again. And I think that the mistake a lot of evangelical Christians make, of which I'm one, is that they want to attach it to some kind of cognitive or, or display act. So, for example, the sinner's prayer mm. is very popular. And the reason it's popular is because it's like someone did something. It was definitive proof they articulated it, right? My pushback to that is I think everyone has to have faith in Christ in order to be saved. But I have yet to see a six-month-old ever articulate with full knowledge that they are a sinner and that Christ has died for their sins. But I do think that an infant can have faith. So how come? And it's the way I define faith. I don't define faith as being so much the cognitive side of things as much as I define it as a change of life, which I think is what getting born again is getting to and being about. That can happen at an instinctual level. So let me put it this way. Can a newborn infant or a three-week-old infant trust their mom? And I would say, absolutely. They might not know mom's name. They might not be able to articulate anything about mom to you, but they know that that this person, if you will, is fundamentally warm and safe and gives me good things and nurturing. And they instinctually reach out to mom or trust mom. Now, I do think a cognitive side of faith has to come eventually. Otherwise, whatever is internal will probably wither and die. Um, but that's kind of what I'm getting at here is I think that someone can be born again before they are cognitive and self-aware and after their cognition has been taken away. And so then arguably can it occur 
anywhere in between in someone's life. Like the old proverbial African who grew up in the grass hut in 1702 and never heard the name of Jesus or, you know, the, the, the poor Indian boy, like in Calcutta, who's never had the opportunity to go to a church and he's immersed in the Hindu culture or, or something like that. I don't, I don't think God's sitting there going, Oh, you're out of luck. Yeah. Sorry. Nor do I think it takes off evangelistic necessity, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm, I'm just keeping some doors <clears throat> open there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one here that is pretty open-ended, uh, what does the Bible say about worship? <laughs> um, so I'm, there's a lot of different answers for that. But one thing I think is, uh, where did our idea of quote unquote modern worship come from? Like the divine service, liturgy, all of that, because I feel like that probably wasn't a thing in Jesus day. Like, yes, the temple had a lot of rites and rituals, but it wasn't a nine o'clock Sunday morning hour long thing where we say this prayer, we do this reading, but yet that became the acceptable form of corporate worship. Like where did that come about? God has always given incredible freedom for people of different cultures and personalities to express their love to him in their own unique ways. So that's why you can look around the world today and see so many different kinds of expressions of Christian worship, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, compare a Roman Catholic to um, a Pentecostal from West Virginia or something like that, right? And then go over to Uganda uh, and, and then go into India and then go into China. And, and you're going to see it in different ways. But there are some commonalities. And I think these commonalities are all finding a certain kind of shared biblical root. And you can look at the commonalities a couple of ways. One is like, like the essence of what it's supposed to be about. And the other is like the practical things that you do. You know, the Bible's filled with all kinds of practical examples of people worshiping. You know, come together with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, the Bible will say. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Think about what is noble. Think about what is good. Think about what is trustworthy. Think about what's right. You see people in acts of prayer constantly. You see people in acts of contrition constantly. The Psalms are filled with sing to the Lord a new song, be filled with songs of praise. And they'll go on listing all these different kinds of like instruments that, that people are using and the way they're shouting their lungs out. You see people doing stuff responsively. You see pictures of the temple worship and, and different people that were, so, so you get all this. You see people prostrating themselves before God and, and humbling themselves before God, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this is kind of a, a well that I think all of our, our, our modern practices are flowing today. But it all kind of comes back to some, I think, nucleus points of, of just going, is it rooted in Christ? Is it an expression of the born again person, right? Is it rooted in the reality of who Jesus says he is and always growing closer to that rather than the Jesus of my own making or my own preferences, if you will? Um, you know, since synagogue days of the time of Jesus, Jews would gather to read the Bible. Someone would expound on the Bible. And they would pray together. And so that naturally crept into Christian worship since like 30 AD, right? Um, but then God lets it kind of go free from there, which is pretty cool, I think. I think people think God is a lot more rigid than he actually is. He's rigid on some things, but I think he's less rigid on a lot of things than people would like him to be. I think people are a lot more rigid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About their opinions of how rigid God is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it funny, like you guys seen this, and Steve, I'm sure you've had to live neck deep in this your whole worship directing life. 
Andrew, I mean, I guess I don't want to let you off the hook, but people who seem to make like the secondary things, the primary things and leave the primary things almost like inconsequential. Yeah. This, they make the secondary things, the golden calf. Yeah. So that's the most important thing for them when they're not even, it's like, you're not even thinking about what the primary is because you can't get past the secondary. Like that's a huge hurdle for you. So therefore, if it's not what you like or what it looks like or what it sounds like, or if it fills your heart or if it's filled with emotion or whatever, well then dang it, it's not, it's not true worship then, you know? And it's like, well, your life is worship. It's not a service on Sunday. It's not a, Mm -hmm. it's not a song. It's not a Bible reading. It is literally your life and what your intent is. And if your intent is through your life, worshiping Christ, well, then it's all worship. Yeah. Right. And if it's not, well, then it's not. Yeah. I mean, that great Romans 12 line, right? Present yourself as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Yeah. Old Testament worship was all about sacrifice. Kill something or burn some food up or, you know, whatever. Here's some grain and not do that with your life. Well, and it can all become works at some point and we're not saved through works. Yeah. So there's nothing that you can do or how many times you do it that gets you saved. So so I can't say a certain prayer 17 times to get myself <laughs> You in, can say I'm... it 18, and you may <laughs> be close. <laughs> that's extra credit, though. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's interesting because, I mean, if I look at my job for AV and tech at the church, it's pretty much all secondary things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it, it can that can very easily become the primary thing. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, I got to make sure this piece is working and this thing is working and this thing is working. When all of those are really secondary to to the message and to the goal. And yes, they surround it and support it. Um, but that's a, that's a good reminder, I think, to give to everyone, but especially yeah. people involved in, in putting on a worship service of, yeah, what's the primary thing and what's the secondary thing? And how are they supporting each other and not overpowering? And, you know, I would even challenge that a little bit, Andrew, because I don't think the message is the primary thing. No, I, 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 yeah, I mean, not even, not the message is in the sermon, but yeah. the message is in the gospel and God's word. Gotcha. Yeah. Or, or, you know, and just so I, I don't want this to be confused either, because people equate God's word to the Bible and therefore they could translate that to mean there has to be a Bible reading mm. and that that's the pinnacle point. And, and I, I believe me, there's no one in the world that loves the Bible more than me, but the whole idea is being rooted in Christ mm-hmm. and, and the Bible and music and messages and all these other things that we do are instruments and tools to help people in that. But, you know, I get this a lot of time, you know, being Protestants where the message in the word tends to dominate, right. Where it becomes all about the sermon mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and then the nature of worship or, or the, the, the validity of worship is how good did it make me feel or did it inspire me or did, did it make me laugh or did it make me cry? You know, it's kind of like the, the way I think people sometimes think, did it move me? And mm-hmm. I mean, I hope it does, but that ain't really the goal here. That's not what it's about. That's something secondary. Yeah. It's, are you someone gathering here giving worth to God? Well, and I also hear a lot of it too with, not so much in the Lutheran church do I hear this, but, you know, you'll, <clears throat> for instance, if you look at a job uh, posting for a worship director, well, to help bring the congregation into the presence of God. And it's like, 
well, I don't know. That's a big task to do for one. <laughs> and I don't think it's my responsibility. So therefore it's like, God is already here. He's omnipresent. You're already in his presence. So I don't have to bring him anywhere. I don't have to usher in spirit. Please come in. You know, it's yeah, like right. spirit's already here. Keep you know, begging, Steve. Keep you, begging. you can, it's how you choose to view that, you know, or react to it. Yeah. So anyway. You don't yeah. seem passionate about that at all, though. About what, Andrew? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Ushering in God. Uh, yeah, I don't have to do that, thankfully. It's not my responsibility. But, but that you is know, very if he doesn't true. show up, just keep repeating the chorus until he cries. Right. Because, you know. <laughs> Ten minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that eventually wears him down. I give know? Paul. All right. So, Paul, Paul, like, when we when we drive together, he's... He'll listen to a lot of, you know, the the worship music. You just give a shout out on who Paul is. Paul is is my Ugandan son. Yeah. So he's living with us right now and and uh, going to MCC and and uh, I I love the fact that he took comfort in those in the worship music. You know, as far as like being in Uganda and listening to that stuff and and whatnot. But some of it drives me absolutely crazy because it is just like you said. It's ten to fifteen minutes of the same <laughs> chorus, and it's like. We understand what you're saying. <laughs> I don't understand this at a, at a greater level because I've heard it 38 times, you know? So Maybe God should have a fight song. Maybe yeah. if you're going to usher him in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like when, well, we're from Nebraska. So yeah. when, when the team comes out onto the field, you've got the tunnel walk, which yeah. is happening, and there's a song going on. <laughs> it's like we should absolutely have that to get ready for worship. Like, here's, here we go. This We're, we're going to do this. But if you only saw the same excitement and passion in church that you did at a Husker football game, or pick your team, whatever, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Mm. Yeah, that's a no, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole conversation. Yeah. I say we, I've got one here that I think flows into that. Uh, if you could change one thing about worship, what would it be? People. <laughs> uh, what would I? What would it change? One more, thing about worship? More Husker fans. Um, more red and white hot notes. Right. Well, it is Pentecostal fire, right? You know, the red. Um, no, I don't know what I would change. I, I guess I would, I would hope that, that through the, the experience of the worship service, which we're all a part of, and we think through, and sometimes we don't, <laughs> sometimes it's, <laughs> Hey, let's let the spirit leave. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I would hope there would be a response because I, I, and somehow, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but somehow we feel, we feel, uh, that, we're, that somehow we're verified or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Not validated, validated, validated yeah, yeah. by the response of the congregation. And that's so wrong. I think sometimes where. That's almost the same view as like, Oh, worship was great today because I felt it. Right. Like that's right. on the opposite side of that. Of like, oh, you weren't feeling it, and or I could tell. Worse. So what did I not do? Not even worship was great, but the Holy Spirit was here. Yeah. Right. Just, oh no! I mean, yeah. he was, yeah. but not because you felt it. He's right. here in the weeks you don't too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's yeah, and I don't know if I don't know if I have one thing that I can change about worship. It would probably be people's conceptions of it or preconceptions coming into it. Cause I have, I have my own of what I think worship should look like or what a lot like. or what I like. A lot of yeah. other people have that as well. And it's like, how can we, how can we leave those things at the door and 
be be present for whatever it is, whether it's the style you like or not. Um, if things are going smoothly or not going smoothly, it's like how can we um, still let let God's God's word shine through and let Jesus shine through in that and not get distracted by all the other pieces. Well, and I think too, and this may sound a little bit brash or uncaring, but if you don't like what's happening in your church or the service, well, first, maybe have a conversation about it. Second, if you don't, if you continue not to like it, there are so many other churches around, go find someplace. Hmm. Do I think that's the answer necessarily? I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a chance for you to grow, you know, and challenge some things and maybe open up your mind a little bit as far as what true worship is, which I guess we'll all find that out once we finally get there. But mm-hmm. and what God's, ex- I would, that's what I would change. I would change being, uh, just knowing that God's like, if he would just speak one mm-hmm. time to me and be like, you're doing it right. Just keep going. That would be great. Yeah. Give me that direct mm-hmm. confirmation of Lord, right? Yeah. Right. But instead, I've got all of his creation telling me sometimes that you're not. <laughs> so I was like, well, you do it then. Yeah, I think I'm uh, right down the same path here. It's like if, you know, we're blessed to be at a church where when it comes to the secondary things, we're not rigid. Yeah. You know, and we've got a lot of flexibility to experiment and, and play with different styles and, and, and try things, which is what I love about our church. But yeah, it would be mindsets going from a passive to an active mindset yeah. going not so much come in to like move me or give me something or inspire me or fill me for this week. But people just coming in going, I'm going to worship God tonight. I'm going to worship him hard. And it doesn't matter how off key the band is or how bad the preaching is or how cold the sanctuary is or how loud the volume is or too soft it is or how flat the coffee is or whether, you know, my friends were there that day or, you know, all the things that they are important and we like them. But aren't really what it's about. Yeah. You know? Well, and I guess here, here's where I would challenge someone too, is if, for instance, you say, man, I really felt the spirit today. Okay. So let me ask you this. You felt the spirit today and somehow you were moved by it and changed in some way, or you, you've got to a quote unquote, a deeper level of understanding of who God is or what he wants you to do. When 1205 comes around and you finally wraps up the message after two hours of just talking, <laughs> then what did that do to change how you were going out and worshiping God in your life? You know, like what did it do? Or is it, or did you go out of those, out of those doors and do the exact same thing you always do, which may be nothing. Right. See, their spiritual act of worship is not getting the torches and pitchforks when I go to 1205, right? Right. It's this, they're practicing patience. They're practicing kindness. You're giving people an opportunity to practice patience. I'm pushing them. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Andrew and I are working on something, a playlist, and it's just one song. Is yeah. so it'll be an easy playlist. But when you go <laughs> past the time, yeah, the Oscars, man. Clo- closing time comes on. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly, just starts as an instrumental, and people yeah. kind of start filling in the lyrics a little bit. Yeah, we got to rewrite some lyrics on that a little bit, but <laughs> it'll be good. You know, the, the spirit of this question, I do want to kind of attack it from another way too. Um, and more of kind of, I think, just like the practical, what we see, what we do type mm-hmm. of thing. You know, one of my frustrations with the church today is I think we're all way too siloed from mm-hmm. each other. And every little local congregation just does its own thing in isolation mm-hmm. to everyone around. And I think that's good. I don't like the idea of every church being homogenous 
in the sense that we all got to kind of be doing the same curriculum, the same style, the same feel. I love that there's personality in the local church, but I would hope that churches, I wish churches would do a better job of sharing their personality with one another. So let me give you a very practical example. And I think music, you know, strikes very easily at this, but certainly messages and stuff like that too, right? There are so many different music styles out there. And we're not going to be able to do them all or do them all well. And we shouldn't even try to do them all well because it's not who we are. And I mean, even as individuals or a band, right? But man, wouldn't it be cool if some very different style church were to come in and like run worship for us? Mm -hmm. This is why I like different preachers Mm -hmm. too. I am never going to preach like other people. I can learn from them, right? But I've got a cadence. I've got a style. um, And you can learn from that. But there's so many other great ways that people approach a text, right? And wouldn't it be great if they were kind of coming and sharing their wealth and we weren't restricted to like this one flavor and weren't required to church hop. Um, I'm not saying every week it should be a different style, but I just wish churches would maybe practice that more and, and, and share how God is working in their community with another community. I, I love that kind of yeah. stuff. So if I'm hearing you right, basically what it comes down to is you just want a week off. <laughs> you, you got it. Yeah. That would have been, been a really easy way to say it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow when he said it, it sounded like it was God's inspiration. Yeah. Oh, no, didn't it? Because yeah. that's the craft. Yeah. That's why it's got to go to 1205 every week. He's, <laughs> he's magic. Scott, Scott's got a pretty cool question here. He says, Dave, do you ever wish you could be in the congregation instead of leading? You know, thanks, Scott. Um, Surprising answer is not really. Yeah, there are moments and there are times. But here's why I say not really. Two reasons. One, if I try to do it at my home church, I'm not really there because everyone still treats me in the same way. So when I need those times of anonymity or I need those times to dissolve in the crowd, I actually have to go to other places. Mm -hmm. Um, Second, though, is going back to that passive active thing. Man, Scott, I don't know how you do it. it. It's just so boring. Like after you're up there doing stuff and it's not like I, I, I need the mic, right? but i like being involved. Mm-hmm. I like having an active role. Yeah. And I think you can have an active role from the chair or the pew. Don't get me wrong. But when you're used to doing such an uber active role, well, if you're someone who likes to play the game, you don't really want to watch as much as you want to play. Play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I would agree. I would would agree with that. I do think there's times where, where I long for just going on a Sunday and not having to worry about running through things. Definitely that. Yeah. But I also think too, that because in whether, when I cross this line, I, I don't really know, but I know that I'm way past the line now that it's very hard for me to go to another church or even within our church and not be critical. Mm-hmm. And not be judgmental yeah. about how things are going. You know, and like it's not always uh, negative either. I no, mean, a lot of it is positive, no. but it's just like I like how they did that. Oh, look at how they made that yeah. transition. How were they? Go- oh, yeah. That but works. either way, your either mind way, is now yeah. taken off of what the intent is of you actually being there. Right. So right. It's yeah, I've been to a couple different worship conferences geared mostly towards tech people, and at one at the very beginning of the first like mass session, they told everyone they're like under your chair is a list of all the different equipment we're using all the software everything else so they're like that's all there so you don't need to 
be asking yourself those questions throughout this entire session. Like you have that right. information available. Right. So now can you just focus on the content? Um, cause that, that's absolutely what I find myself doing anywhere I go, whether it's a, a movie, uh, you know, even like a sports bar or a concert or anything like that. I'm going, Oh, how did they do that? What are they using to do that? Oh, I, you know, they, they could have done it this way. What if they do this? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very hard to just worship or just enjoy what's happening around Mm -hmm. you. Um, so I, I think, yeah, finding, finding those times where you can just do that and not be in all the details, uh, is important, but I think each person has to figure that out for themselves, what that is. It's going to be interesting. So just so you know, so we were uh, the Hope Center in Uganda. We have a children's home over in in Uganda, Africa. And so right now they're having uh, Ebola is is happening. And it's Mm -hmm. a Sudan strain. There's not a vaccine for it. And and it's spreading. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like the Mityana district, it will probably be on lockdown within the week, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And so, well, we're, we've canceled it. You did. Yeah. You did. And yeah. so that, that hurt because it's like, we haven't been there in three years because COVID happened, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, finally, we were looking to get back there and, and go. No, no, you tried like four or five times in the past three years too. Yep. I mean, it's, yeah. And for whatever it reason, it just keeps, yeah, right. And so now though, the point of that story is, well, one, pray for Uganda, you know, as far as that goes, but two, We've decided that I think we're going to go. We haven't been to see to see Barbie's side of the family that lives in Arizona and Phoenix, and yeah. so we're we're actually going to go mm-hmm. there and take Paul and Maya down there for a little bit. And, but I'll still be missing two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I decided that one Andrew it loves to fill in when he I'm does. gone. It's probably you know, one of his favorite really things to do. Steve says with a smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he does a great job at it. And yeah, so therefore, you. so you it's like, yeah. You. And it does give you a different perspective, you know, that helps you. But one of those things was one, I will be visiting a church that's down there. Yeah. So again, to be able to see and hopefully be able to get out of the whole mindset of being at your own church and what things, what things have to happen. Yeah. But the other thing is too, is we'll come back for one week. And we'll still be able to worship at FOF and not be on, mm-hmm. you know. And so to be able to have that view as well and and to be able to have a different perspective and just to be a part of it, which, again, like you said, is not necessarily the same as going to another church because you always have, you know, people that are asking you questions or wanted to talk. And that's fine. But it's just I think it's needed. And I yeah. think as a staff, we've talked about that even, you know, where it's like just take the week to to observe, you yeah. know, make different notes and and. Make sure you get a bulletin so you can write it off on your taxes. It's true. We need more <laughs> need more bulletins. <laughs> do they do bulletins? I don't know. If they do, I probably won't go to that church. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be that, is that a secondary thing? It is. That is becoming right. a primary thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, let's give a station shout out here really yes. quick. Okay, you want to take it? Yeah, we're rolling right along. This is questions you never thought you could ask in church right here on 216 The Net. And we go live every Wednesday midweek right at 1230 Central uh, where you can ask questions, well, that you never thought you could ask in church. You can uh, text all of those great, great questions to 815-314-0363 if my memory serves me right. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're not doing anything on Sundays and you want to see what worship is all about, what these guys are talking about, stop in 
on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or tune in on FOF Plus. And look at that. We'll throw it right up there. Uh, that's what it looks like when you go to their page. Go to FOF Plus. You can uh, see any of the past ones. So you don't have to just worship on Sunday. Mm. Interesting pause there. Anytime. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that was dramatic pause. That, that, that was beautiful, Ken. Yeah. That was beautiful. And, uh, but uh, go to fellowshipoffaith.org. That's fellowshipoffaith.org. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Uh, do you guys tweet? I don't know. No, we do Instagram. Instagram, though. There I is do. a Twitter account, but don't go to it because we never post anything So, uh, absolutely a ton of ways to worship. Again, more ways to worship than just on a Sunday morning. Okay, so real quick, let's go to thanks for that, Ken. We have to hit that Kelly Spalding question. We're, Is that we're, where you go with well, that? we're we're gonna go one b- before that because Kelly was like Steve's dad, Steve's dad, Steve's dad. So it looks like they're gonna have to come visit more often. I, I think, think so. so <laughs> I think so. That's good. Uh, the other thing is, she says, question for Steve's dad: Did he always wear black as a child? <laughs> well. No, he says. <laughs> He's a man of many words. See, you're an 80s guy. I think you were pastels. Yeah, I was, was going to say, he, he was probably light blue. And yeah. pink. I said, did yeah. you have the powder blue wedding was, tux? With no. the big no. like, feathered blow dry, oh, like blonde hair. Right? I did right. use a blow dryer when I had hair because yeah. you had to tease the bangs. You did have to yeah, tease I the did. bangs. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not always wear black. A lot of it was, yeah, the, the color of the 80s, which was a lot of pastels. Yeah. So and and stone washed jeans, some jeans. some yes. guess jeans. And remember, remember Pepe. Remember Pepe. I don't remember a brand. Pepe. Pepe. No, that was a big brand as well. Okay. No. Yeah. Didn't always wear black. That came later in life when I got real depressed. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Well, I'm looking at the queue here, Andrew, and it's like we got like 20 questions in the queue, and I think we got to like four of them. Let's uh, I know. Let's see what we can kind of like one-two punch out here. Uh, let's do this one. Uh, <laughs> why do pastors wear robes? Is it because they don't want to get dressed in the morning? Is it like a kilt? Are they wearing anything underneath? I'm not sure what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Look, I can't speak for your pastor, so look, I'm sure there is somewhere and nothing underneath. But this goes back to Roman practice actually. Um, in the fourth century AD, um, Christianity became the official religion, or religion of the Roman Empire, and a lot of things that were practiced in Roman high culture um, just kind of got infused. And so the, the toga robe-wearing thing that kind of happened back then just matriculated now to people of who were once despised that are now people of authority who were leading churches. Um, it's really no more spiritual than that. Now, people will invest it with all kinds of spirituality and say it represents like the like like being clothed with Christ and like the righteousness of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ. That's why it's white coming over you. And, and y- you know, if there's anything true of symbols over the year, they get repackaged and retalked about and invested with new meetings. And hey, if that works for you, roll with it because symbols can do that kind of thing. But where it actually kind of stems out of is not nearly that profound. Um, but yeah, to what you wear underneath it, I swear it's like, you know, if these guys who wear suits and put a robe over it, it's like, T-shirt, shorts, right? Especially if the robe is long enough that you don't see like, you know, bare legs. And even then you go, well, I'm looking like Jesus today. I'm putting on sandals, right? (laughs) I was, I always got, I was an acolyte in probably middle school at my church. Yeah. And that was 
don't wear shorts under the actual nah, robes. Does not. It's it not just, a good look. It looks weird. It does. Wear, wear pants. Yeah, wear pants. <laughs> now, as a deacon in the Episcopal Church, they're a, a lot about the robes, bells, smells, all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Very gothic, I would say. Uh, and I would wear shorts underneath my all, uh, but I'd also wear like Sperry's, right? So Sperry topsiders. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, hit the boat afterwards. And I, I was approached by <laughs> by the priest who said uh, I couldn't wear those shoes anymore because mm-hmm. I was distracting uh, parishioners from worshiping. <laughs> which I said, very good. All right. Uh, maybe they're looking at the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, but that, that was an interesting thing. But I I don't know. I always wore shorts. Otherwise, you're sweating like. Well, that's just yeah. it. I think. Depending, it would depend on what your climate is, right? Like if you're in Uganda and it's hot and humid, yeah, I'm letting, letting, I'm, I'm gonna breathe. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. If I'm in Alaska, where no one goes, nineteen layers. Yes, greatest worship story I've ever heard. This is a friend of mine. He was actually on the show. Remember Caleb Shower, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he lived in. He's from the Pacific Northwest. He lived in Alaska, and his dad is actually this like just dude's totally on fire. He's a missionary. He's a bush pilot missionary up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is fly in from village to village that were not accessible by road, you know, during the summer months, because you can't drive on the ice and stuff like that. But they talk about this one time that they drove, it was like 850 miles to this one town to do a church service. One person showed up. Oh my. And then they turned right back around and 850 miles back. It's like, dude, that is apostolic commitment yeah. right there, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although that's not good stewardship. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But they speak it. They speak of it like just kind of like the warmest experience. You know, you have to in moments like that. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, what else we got? Yeah, here's one. I grew up Lutheran, but don't go to a Lutheran church anymore. Uh, every Sunday, the pastor would say, "I forgive you all your sins." Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. So why did they say that? It really bothers me, and I'm kind of confused. Why do I care if some pastor forgives me? I love this. Thank you so much. There is so much confusion and misconception on this. It's not just in the Lutheran church where you hear that, Catholic church, Orthodox, um, various other um, church bodies will do it. Episcopal, is is that Anglican as well, where they will say it that way? Yeah, I thought so. Thank you, Kent. Um, here's here's how it's supposed to be interpreted and how no, how everyone misunderstands it. When the pastor is saying, I forgive you all your sins, what he's doing is speaking in the first person for Jesus. So like if I was to get up there and do this, and I have done this, like if I get up there, it's not David Gadini saying, David Gadini forgives you your sins, right? What, what I'll do is I'll kind of say, look, what I want you to do is hear on my vocal cords, the words of Jesus speaking to you. Because there's something personal, I think, that happens when we hear it that way, isn't there? You know, as opposed to, well, he forgives you. No, no, hear Jesus talking to you. I forgive you all your sins. So that's the way you're supposed to hear it. Now, there's a second line in here, though, that said something to the effect of no one can forgive sins except God alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fascinating is that's the exact line that the Pharisees brought against Jesus when Jesus said that he was forgiving someone's sins. Remember the guy being let down on the mat and and he goes, son, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees get all kind of like hopped up on themselves. And they're like, who's this guy I think he is? He's blaspheming himself. No one can forgive sins but God alone. 
you know, the reality is in the New Testament, God has authorized other people to actually forgive sins. You can read John 20, where he breathes on the disciples and he says, whosoever sins you forgive, they will be forgiven. Whosoever sins you don't forgive, they won't be forgiven. He does the same thing in Matthew 16. And this is something that I believe he invests in the authority of every Christian, that every Christian is meant to be an ambassador on Christ's behalf. And what an ambassador does is speaks accurately and authoritatively on the king or the governor or ruler or Lord that's sending him, right? So what a Christian is authorized to do is if someone comes in broken repentance going, will God forgive me? Can God forgive me? You go, well, confess your sins to God and speak to that person. God forgives you. I forgive you. Not, I think he forgives you. Not, I hope he forgives you. Not, if you keep praying, he forgives you. No, I can speak it authoritatively to you. And that's what these traditions are really trying to, I think, preserve and get at. But I hear you. The problem is it doesn't sound that way. And at the end of the day, I'm with you. I don't care if some pastor forgives me. I want God to forgive me. But rightly understood, that's what's happening. And it's it's actually pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I think in the if I'm remembering correctly from my childhood, uh, the pastor would typically say, it was like, I as a called and ordained servant of Christ, something, 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 thereby forgive you all. I as sins. a called and ordained servant of the word, therefore yeah. forgive you all your sins yes. in the name of the Father. Yeah, yeah. So even, even in what is written out in the, the the liturgy, the divine service, it doesn't communicate that you're speaking for God. It's, it's, I am doing this. Yes, I'm called by God and under his authority, but it's still you saying it. There's I all this, almost yeah, like it say better. Yeah. Here's what Jesus says to you. Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> There's all this preface language that builds in to try to be kind of like what I would call a, a control valve or something, mm-hmm. you know, on misinterpretation. But I think that's where, where, rigidity to liturgy also starts to fall down because then we just start parroting the control language and it's like, no, you get what it's doing. Just personalize it, personalize it and communicate what it's trying to say to people. It doesn't mean you have to give a 10 minute speech on it every time, but you know, well, and just like help people understand what's going on here. Called us to confess to each other our sins, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if we're doing that with no intention of having forgiveness after that, then why would he call us to do that? Exactly. Just because, okay, you got it off your chest, you know? All right. Well, there's got to be a point to it, and that's forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, So there's one here, I think, that goes into kind of what we were talking about there. Uh, They say, my church is pretty traditional. Every week we do a lot of the same things. I get the sense there's something important going on, but it's all kinds of confusing and boring. What am I supposed to be getting from it? (laughs) Yeah. So kind of that idea of if, if your liturgy becomes so root, whatever your liturgy happens to be, that it just becomes boring. You know, when you look at how the liturgy has developed over the centuries and how it exists and it's like what I would say most traditional forms today, you literally need a master's degree to really understand all that's going on. And I don't say that to denigrate it. I say that much the opposite. There is a richness there, but it is complex and often confusing and easily missed. Rightly done, Traditional liturgy is meant to be a full sensory, completely immersive experience. Um, And I always like to call it a rock opera of sorts. It's meant to capture sight and sound and smell and engage you in every way and invoke something in every way along a story it's telling. And the story that traditional liturgy is telling is almost the journey of the Christian life and one hour. 
You start by coming into the presence of God and you realize very quickly that you're broken in your sin and therefore to get right with God, confession is needed and, and, and his forgiveness needs to be pronounced over you, which leads into this moment of like praise, if you will, that, that then prepares you to hear the word of God and let it dwell in you richly, which someone then teaches into you, which you respond in a sinner's prayer called the Apostles' Creed. You're just standing up going, because of the effect of the word in my life, now I am proclaiming a faith and, and, and confessing with my mouth this prayer, then offering my sacrifices over, then gathering in the communal meal that we're now prepared for, and pockmarking it with so songs of, so, uh, uh, you know, hymns or, or songs of lament and praise and confession and stuff along the way. That there really is kind of this cool dramatic story that's trying to be told, but I think the two problems is, is no one really gets it. Mm -hmm. And we just do such a bad job of telling the story. You know, it's like we're more content reading the script than actually enacting it. And so everyone just kind of gets around and like mouths the words and like, and I'm talking like the leaders, the worship leaders and the pastors too. It's like, man, do you even believe this? Right. You know, is this even coming from you or are you just like reading the bulletin here? Like, what would you do if you went to like a Broadway play and everyone was like just looking down reading their scripts? Like, what would you do if you went to the football game and they put the cheer sign up and everyone just like read cheer, praise, hallelujah. It's just, you're missing the point. It's meant to be a prompt, not a rigid recitation. Well, prime example, he is risen. <laughs> totally. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're super excited yeah. about this, aren't you? Yeah. Or every week after the gospel reading, uh -huh. this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Or praise to you, O Christ. Or praise to you, O Christ. Wow, that was heartfelt. Yeah, so believe me, I mean, I love the liturgy. And when it's done well, it is powerful. Mm -hmm. It's just sadly not often done well. So and, and, you know, and hey, let, let's face it, contemporary worship, yeah, it's, it could get, it, it's pretty gnarly at times too, right? There needs to be at seminary it, that you should probably advocate for this. It's like a meatloaf 101, <laughs> right? <laughs> what? Yeah, meatloaf, the, the singer. The singer, yeah, not the food. Oh, he was yeah. a, It was a rock opera yeah. type stuff, you know, where <clears throat> yeah. he was basically telling a story, but it was very dramatic. No, and if you ever go back and you watch like their concerts or someone like Queen right. or someone like Iron Maiden, or I, I mean, this is what they were doing is they were telling these epic stories through mm -hmm. stage and sight and sound and yeah yeah all right meat meatloaf 101 uh, new 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 to the seminary curriculum here all right what else teach that? yeah yeah so. can we can we get you doing a class on that yeah yeah text your questions to steve on meatloaf 101 <laughs> to 815 well, I, one i can't stand meatloaf but i respect what he did yeah so yeah so we have we have just like five six minutes left but I think one uh, just kind of overarching question is, who is worship for? This isn't necessarily in, in the questions that we got, but I think it kind of fits into all of them. Of Is worship for us or is worship for God? It's for God. Or, well, is, it, or is it both? Let me put it this way. Worship, when we talk about it in the, the general sense of what worship means, which is to ascribe worth to someone, is totally for God. We do it for God. But when we talk about a worship service, it's meant to be a both and. So um, in, in the Lutheran tradition, they don't actually even call it worship. And I think there was a question in here on this. They, yeah. You can look, open a Lutheran hymnal and they call it the divine service. And it's very intentional in their language because what they're trying to tap on, again, no one gets this, but that God is serving me, that God is coming here and servicing me. He's giving me a gift and he's giving it to me in word and sacrament. And I'm a receiver, 
but in any kind of love relationship, there should be give and take, right? And so as, as much as God is giving to me, then I'm responding back. But, and I think in its just basic sense, no, it's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about what you receive. You're coming to give something to God and that's to give him adoration. You know, you're here to gush on him. You're here to praise him. You're here to thank him. You're here to talk about how great he is and, and, and give him your life. Right. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. And I think, I, yeah, it's very interesting. Just kind of those definitions and how, how are you describing it? Yeah. Are, are you doing divine service? Are you doing worship? Is it a church service? Is it mass? Is it, and it's like, in, in some ways it doesn't matter at all, but it also matters a lot. And what, what are you actually doing when you're saying worship? Cause there can be a thousand different things in a thousand different ways. And yeah, and it is, it's so complex and so many things are getting shoved into an hour that it becomes this often this arcane, confusing, complex mess of things. And you know, you walk in and if you're not a Christian, you're like, what is going on? Right. But I suppose that's the same walking into a football game. Yeah. You know, if you don't know football, right. And you walk in, you go, what's going on. Hopefully you just get captured by, the excitement of it and you learn over time. So it's actually meant to teach by what it does as well. Yeah. I'm almost, I was almost picturing that as like a, like a news ticker going on <laughs> throughout a church service. Like, especially, you know, through, through the divine service, through our services on Sunday morning of, okay, where are we in the service and what, what is, what is happening right now? What, it, what am I either supposed to be feeling? What is, is this, am I singing to God? Is he talking to me? Like, I don't know. That, like, that'd like be help interesting. Me unpack here. Yeah. yeah. So play we do, play. we do confession, play by play yeah. confession pretty much every week. What, what is supposed to be happening there? Right. You know, what is not what we're saying the, the Lord's prayer or the Nicene Creed or Apostles Creed. Like what, what's the purpose of this? What is this opening song supposed to be doing versus this song after confession like and a difficulty that happens is there's this propensity then to want to teach it like as a pastor you want to maybe explain what you're doing or like if you use a bulletin people will sometimes like write a paragraph mm -hmm. but it, it almost turns into like explaining a joke sometimes yeah. yeah like it takes you out of it and if the purpose maybe today is to teach you okay but you, you just kind of want to experience it for what it is and so yeah Imagine this, like if you were, so you take a, like and sports announcers, right? There's a big difference between how you announce a golf game versus a Harry Carey doing, you know, the Cubs the or Cubs something like that. Yeah. Or, right. Where there's some excitement or NASCAR, you know, if you're into yeah, NASCAR yeah. or whatever, how they announce it. But if I guess two questions, one is who would you want? What style would you want? If you did a play by play doing your worship service. Right. And then two, who fits your worship service? Not Troy Aikman. What? Take <laughs> off the dresses. Not Troy <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> uh, so who would you want to do a play-by-play? -play you know what I've got going in my mind? Did you ever see uh, Rocket Man? It was that. Uh, uh, yeah, with John Elton John. Uh, for about Elton John. John. Uh -huh. yeah. And like how through that whole movie, you have that narrator and that deadpan voice. Who's just giving those little? I have that like going through my head right now. Is the way it would be. Yeah. But yeah, who would I want? To, I, I don't know, man. I got to think about that. Um. Yeah, you have to let me stew on that one right. next week. Next week. Yeah, I'm like I don't know who's because if it's just a voice, ultimately Burgundy. it comes down to the voice of you want a presence and Morgan excitement Freeman. It needs to be, but you want a subtlety as well. Like, 
you see the movie Miracle? The hockey, 1980 the hockey, hockey game. Yeah, yeah. You know the guy, you know, I think they took the actual like audio footage mm -hmm. from this. But like that guy's level of intensity and like expectation and anticipation, I want that guy, mm -hmm. I think, doing it. But does that I don't know who that guy is. But so I'm that's who you would alive. want, but who who actually who would actually fit your service? And I would ask that of like a lot of churches, right? Like, so who would gotcha? Who would be the one that would call your worship service? Tina Gadini. <laughs> Okay. She kind of does. Yeah. She kind of does that yeah. for our, our services now. So now you're saying we need her throughout. Yeah. Okay. We're going to set up a little thing on the side of the stage, one little light on her, and she's just giving commentary throughout it's the... It's like when you have the interpreter headsets yeah. for like international meetings. And things. Steve's going for the D on this oh, cord, but oh. you know, we're going to see if he's going to hit it here yeah, today. He's been batting it. three for five this season. So. He's had a sinus infection lately, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right, like we that. hit 130, guys, so uh, we're going to land the plane here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, this is questions you never thought you could ask in church. Again, big shout-out to Steve's dad, who is here off camera in studio today, but glad to have you with us. Look, we go live every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. And if you've missed a past episode, don't worry. You can catch us on Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast provider happens to be. If we did not get to your question today, and I know we didn't get to some of them today here, um, we got them in the queue. We got them ready for next week. We will get to them as soon as possible because we want to help you on your spiritual journey. Again, you can text your questions 24-7, not just when we're live on this show, to 815-314-0363. 815-314-0363. They will be waiting for us. We'll catch you next week. God bless, and hopefully this has helped you in your worship life. Take care. Church.